Jesus, we already know that you are in this place. Our prayer is the words of that song that we ask that you do what only you can do. As we hear your word today, Jesus, we just ask that we're obedient, that we hear your voice, and that we respond to you. We love you today. Amen. You guys can be seated. Hey, good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 8. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles with you, we'll uh, show it up on the side screens. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But welcome. Great job singing. I love to hear you all sing. Uh, you do so well. Uh, good to have you, whether you're online, in person. If, if you're new with us this morning, we're thrilled to have you. By the way, I've been trying to set the pace for our regular attenders, our new lifers, that to encourage you to look around your area. If you see somebody that looks new, would you introduce yourself to them following the service? Um, and if they are new, would you introduce them to me? Ask them if you could introduce them to me. I'd love to meet them. Uh, and if they're not new, you needed to meet them anyway, right? So it's a win-win, and I want to just continue to try to create that culture in our church. Well, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about a farming story uh, that Jesus told. Uh, he was likely talking to a very diverse group of people who came uh, from many various backgrounds and life experiences, including uh, ethnicities, uh, occupations, uh, social economic statuses, and, and so on. All of them in this crowd were very different. Um, there would have been some who were people who had given up their livelihoods, men and women who had given up their livelihoods to follow Jesus. I mean, they were committed to the cause uh, they were all in, uh, man, there was, no, there was no turning back for them. They would have been there. Then there was probably another group of people uh, who, they were skeptical of Jesus. In fact, I, I don't think it's too strong to say that uh, maybe they even opposed Jesus because anytime he was telling these stories, these parables, um, he was pointing to the kingdom of God, right? And any talk of another kingdom was talk of war to these people. And there would have been some of them there. Uh, then there would have been others there who were just kind of in the middle. And my guess is if it, were like, if it was like most crowds, this is probably the largest group that was there in that moment. Uh, they were just kind of in the middle. They were... They were neutral. They were indifferent. They weren't opposed to Jesus. They weren't necessarily giving up their livelihoods to follow him either. Uh, they were there for the free coffee and donuts, right? And maybe they'd get to see Jesus do a really cool miracle or something. But they're just this huge, diverse group of people. And so Jesus, knowing this, tells a story. Now, as diverse as they were, there would have been one thing that they all had in common. They were all very familiar with agriculture because they were a part of, when Jesus was here on earth, it, it was very much an agrarian society, which basically means either they produced their own food or they knew someone uh, who did. They were all closely connected to this farming thing. And so Jesus, knowing this, uses uh, the familiarity of farming and agriculture and seeds and soil and all of this to tell them a story that draws them all in, all right? So we're, we're on week number four of our Roots series, uh, The Farmer Seed and Soil. Uh, this is our last morning talking about it. Some of you are like, great, let's move on. Others of you are really enjoying it. Either way, this morning is going to be a great morning, right? All right, Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 4. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant 
soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him, because sometimes his parables could be a little bit confusing, right? So his disciples asked him what this parable meant. Now move down to verse 11. And this is Jesus explaining the parable. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So let me summarize what we've talked about thus far. The seed in this story represents what? Yes, God's word. Uh, the seed represents the good news about the kingdom of God, his word. The soil in this parable represents what? Yes, the soil represents our hearts. And, and Jesus says that as the seed is scattered, uh, or as God's word is scattered, it falls on different types of soil. Now, the seed, or God's word, is consistent. It never changes. God's word is always the same, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change based on culture, society, political correctness, economics, or anything like that. God's word is consistent. The condition of our hearts, not so much, right? We can be wishy-washy. We, we can be in and out and up and down. And All right. So over the past few weeks, we've talked about some of the different types of soil where the seed had landed. Some fell on the path. In other words, when the farmer scattered that seed, it didn't even make it to the soil. It fell on the footpath where the farmer would walk, right? And so it was hard and crusty, and the seed couldn't even get into the soil. And the birds came, and they... they took it away, which this scenario represents Satan stealing away God's word from our hearts. And so what Jesus is saying is, with this one is that sometimes the word goes forth, it's taught, it's preached, it's sung about, whatever, but it falls on deaf ears. Some seed, Jesus says, fell among the rocks. Now, there's some soil here. But there's some rocks mixed in with it as well, which makes it hard for the seed to establish roots in the soil where it can grow. The roots can go grow strong and the, the plant can grow tall and produce fruit, etc. But since there's no depth because of the rocks in the soil, the minute temptation comes, we're drawn away. The minute hard times come, we're drawn away. The moment we face challenges or the moment we face opposition, because we don't have deep roots, because it's the seed that landed among the rocks, uh, we're drawn away from the faith. And then it says, some seed fell among the thorns. The, 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 this seed that fell among the thorns does what it was supposed to actually do, right? Um, the seed that fell among the thorns, the, the, the roots, they grow down and it sprouts and it produces or whatever it's going to do. But then, Jesus says, on the top of the surface of it all, there are these unwanted plants, these, these thorn bushes that choke out um, the Word of God and what God wants to do. And, and Jesus even gets even more specific. He said, 
that the thorns represent the worries of this life. All right. Um, the thorns represent wealth. Those can choke out the word of wealth can choke out the word of God in your life. And the pleasures of this world can choke out what God wants to do in your life. And, and these are the things that compete in our hearts and draw us away from what God is saying to us and what God is wanting to do in us. So, but then Jesus goes on and he says, there's a fourth type of soil. Uh, it's the good soil. Uh, and I want to talk about good soil uh, for just a minute. And I want to invite my friend Eric Eric Springer. Come on up wherever you're at. Okay, Eric Springer. All right. Now, uh, this is going to be a little different, but this is going to help illustrate my point uh, uh, in talking about soil. Now, um, some of you in here may know Eric and Gina and Chase and Logan and Sierra, their, their family, and Eric's brother Sam and Liz. I see them over here. Man, their family has... Scoot over. No, no, you don't need your six feet. Come on. He, he was telling me that before COVID even was a thing. Um, um, their family has been a part of our church for, I want to say forever. It feels like forever. They've just been core people, uh, been great personal friends to us. And uh, Eric just begged and begged and begged and begged and begged to get me up here and interview him in front of all of you all in the spotlight and everything. That's sarcasm if you don't know Eric. Um, but uh, if you don't know Eric, you need to get to know him. He's a, he's a fun guy, right? That's the only way I know to describe Eric. He's a fun guy. He's pretty good looking. He's just good to be around. One of the things I love about Eric is whenever we go out to eat together, sometimes I lack class, which I know is hard for you to comprehend. And I don't have the best etiquette in the world and, you know, whatever when I'm at a restaurant. Eric makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> He, he knows. I joke, I joke with you about this, right? Uh, <laughs> I Thank love, Thanks, Troy. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, see if you help me again. No, I love Eric. Um, now, what you may or may not know about Eric is, now, he's not in this line of work these days, but just a few years ago, uh, he literally was a professional soil doctor guy, right? And he would help farmers. Did I describe that pretty well? That's, that, that's real close. <laughs> um, he, he would help farmers all over our county and beyond uh, that were, you know, just needed help with their soil or whatever. So I said, Eric, you know, I want to talk to you about soil. Now, when I'm talking to him, I'm talking about literal soil, okay? Um, in just a minute, we're going to see how this relates to the, the spiritual aspect of things as well. As well. So, Eric, um, let's say I'm a farmer. I, I call you. And I say, hey, I just bought a 200-acre plot of land that I want to start farming on. Uh, but I've been uh, walking down through it, and there's, uh, there's a, a lot of muddy spots. There's some water that, you know, that's standing water. And just, it just seems way, way, way too wet. Are, are there ways you can help me with that? And if so, what are they? Um, I would start with tile. You want to put some drainage in there, maybe make some waterways, get the water diverted. But tile is what you would want to do on a wet farm. Yeah, so we want to get some of the water off at least. I mean, you yeah. need some moisture, but too much of a good thing is right. not good, right? All right, so same case scenario. I just bought 200 acres, but I say, uh, Eric, I've walked all over the land, man, and it is just dusty, dry. It's like a dust bowl out here. Can you help me before I try to plant crops? What would you say? You better pray for rain. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're going to pray for rain. Uh, uh, same case scenario, I call you, I say, Eric, there seems to be uh, a lot of sand in the dirt. Uh, is there any way you can help me with that before I start planting crops? Not much you can do with sand. Well, there, good, that's very you, helpful. You can't change the soil structure. <laughs> Nothing you knew about the sand. Okay, good. That's very helpful. Yes. What am I paying you for? <laughs> this is not how I picture this going. I'm a volunteer. Uh, <laughs> Consider your pay double. Um, I, or I call you, I'm a farmer, I just bought 200 acres of land, and um, 
it's just been land. Just, it's not been a farm. There, there's been nothing planted on it proactively for years, and I want to prep the soil. Oh, what would you suggest? What can you do to help get it ready for me to plant crops? I would suggest starting with soil sampling. Soil sampling. So to the lay person, I have pictures of samples in my head. What's it mean in a farming career? What, what do you do? Basically, you go out physically and pull coils, uh, cores six to eight inches deep across yep. the whole field. You put them in bags. You send them off to a lab. The lab sends you a report back, tells you where your nutrients and pH and things like that are. Yeah. So th they send that to you or they send that to me or they yeah. both. Yeah. And then you know what to do at that point. That gives you guidance on what the soil needs or yes. whatever. Yeah. Okay, so it's an indicator. Okay, uh, let's say same case scenario. The, the, I have this land. The problem is over the last 50 years, uh, it's right beside whatever, one of the county fairs, and it's been used as overflow parking for 50 years, and there's just been cars and tractors and horses and all kinds of heavy stuff on it, and the soil seems so compacted. Um, how, how can you help me there? Um, you would want to do some kind of a tillage on it, uh, deep rip it disc it, some way to turn the soil over, something like cultivate it, whatever, but to get air down in there, promote earthworms and aeration. Okay. So you want to turn the soil over. Earthworms are good. Earthworms are real good. Okay. And so when you say disc it, um, when you say till it, is, is that the same thing kind of as cultivating? It's similar. It, good, You're good. turning the dirt. Good, because that'll help my sermon, because if you would have said anything else, it would have really messed up my sermon for the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I bought it, off, another case scenario, I bought it off of a farmer, and the farmer guy, he farmed it for many, many years, but he never really took care of the soil, never really fertilized it or any of that kind of stuff. How can you help me there? Same thing. I would start with soil samples. Okay. And then that, again, tells you Tells you what, what you'd want to do. Come in with lime, get the pH up, add, yeah. add nutrients to it. Yeah. Good. Okay. Uh, uh, another question. So uh, some of you, if you were here last week, you saw me on a, a picture of my grandpa's tractor back in the early to mid-70s, right? Um, many of us... You, we might have a little garden beside the house. We might have a flower bed, you know, that we plant. But for many of us, uh, really our last understanding of farming equipment is Grandpa's tractor back 50 years ago, which was just big old giant rubber wheels and an engine and then a blade or whatever, the actual piece of that was digging into the dirt. But that's really the last uh, we've known about farming equipment, technology, etc., um, for people like us who don't live in that world, talk to us about maybe some of the things that they have these days versus what we saw with Grandpa's tractor. Well, for at least 15 years, they've been doing uh, guidance using GPS, satellites, sending information down to your tractor, keep you straight lines. You can, you can have a tractor and a combine and another piece uh, talking to each other while they're in the same field. Wow. And then now there's several companies out there that are building autonomous tractors that will operate without a driver. Is this cool? Am I the only one sitting going, wow, this is awesome? Um, a little bit like what I think of, you know, the little dirt sweepers in your house that are kind of automatic? You're saying they're doing this with tractors now? like Yeah, they'd send a tractor into a 40-acre field. Uh, with a disc, and it would operate without a driver, and you could run it with your phone. And they have like a satellite system guiding them, no different uh, than yeah. if it were a missile or whatever else. They're guiding these tractors. With I mean, if I were guiding it, it would be considered a missile, trust me. <laughs> but it's just, it's just kind of weirding me out that you have these tractors that weigh tons and tons and tons with blades and motors and all this stuff, and there's just no one out there driving it. Correct. Okay, <laughs> I will drive much more cautiously past the farms these days, going down Route 36. <laughs> um, what, are, what are some qualities of good soil? Again, most of us don't live in this world, and we think it's pretty simple. It's either wet or it's dry, but it goes 
way, way farther than that, right? As far as what good soil is. Um, good soil would have good levels of nutrients, the pH is where it should be. So that's like in your swimming pool, is that pH? I believe, yeah, you deal okay. with pH in it. I'm, I don't okay. know the numbers on a pool, but. <laughs> Different than a field you're gonna grow corn in. Yeah, you want about six, eight on. on I was wondering, six, eight, that's yeah, what six, I, yes. <laughs> that was sarcasm. And you'd, uh, you'd want your, your nutrients up to levels to where, you know, everything's growing right. You'd want well-drained dark soil. Yeah. Okay. So with that being said, if, if you have a field that's potentially in one or multiple of the initial case scenarios I talked to you about earlier, um, is it a pretty quick and easy fix where you just swing by, you do something for a couple hours and it's resolved or is it a bigger deal than that as far as moving soil from being pretty unhealthy and not ready for a crop to be planted versus ready to produce a huge harvest it's all over the board but sometimes you can get by with one pass but sometimes it takes several years several passes over several years to get the nutrients yeah. and the ph where you want yeah yeah good okay listen i uh, let's give eric a round of applause this has been very helpful appreciate your help uh your checks in the mail eric <laughs> well the, the, the point is this, with, with just a little bit of know-how plus some work, some hard work, and, and some patience, you can have healthy soil no matter what kind of soil you're starting with. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you. It, it makes me think of when we first bought this 84 lumber property, right? Um, we came in and that soil was either under pavement or it was really hard from trucks and tractors and all kinds of stuff driving on it and it just looked like it was going to be impossible to you know but now after a number of years of being purposeful and loving on the soil and doing the stuff some of the stuff eric was talking about we now have grass right now spiritually speaking this is great news that no matter what the condition of the soil is, hear me, if we are patient, if we are purposeful, if we are proactive, if we allow God to work the soil with us, no matter what the condition of your soil is, there's hope, right? Because there are some people under the sound of my voice that maybe think, man, I'm just unredeemable, not according to God's word. There may be people in your lives that have looked at you and said, man, you are so messed up, you're never going to get it right, and God's word says different. That's important for you to know. The point that I'm trying to make is that you need to be purposeful and patient um, to help the soil be healthy where it can enable and sustain growth uh, and eventually, if we're talking physically, provide a harvest, whether it's corn or soybeans or whatever. And this is what translates into our spiritual lives. This is what connects to the story that Jesus was telling when referring to the soil of your heart, right? Jesus telling that parable. The hope is that it's a consistent environment that has been well taken care of that will allow and sustain spiritual growth. And Jesus is saying that if you want to produce a harvest, if you want to bear fruit in your life, it requires good, fertile, nutrient-rich soil, which, by the way, does not happen on accident. So, the obvious question is this. What does good soil look like spiritually speaking now Eric told us what good soil physically looks like you know if you're out in a farmer's field but what does good soil look like spiritually speaking well in verse 15 Jesus says that when you have good soil right we're talking about the heart now it will be evidenced by three things um, First, the first evidence of good soil is that you will hear God's word. 
um, you'll be able to hear the direction that God is giving you. You will hear his voice. It's like the sheep who know the voice of the shepherd. You will know his voice. Just like if I were in a room full of people talking and it was noisy and loud, you could blindfold me. I could go in there and when Krista started talking, I would be able to recognize her voice, right? And vice versa. All right? Um, and, and, and good soil is evidenced by the fact that you're not just listening for the sake of listening but you are listening to the voice of God with the intention of truly hearing it. You understand, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, if you're a spouse, if you're a co-worker, if you have anything to do with other people in your life, you completely understand the difference of listening and hearing, right? Uh, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be hard of hearing. Um, it makes me think of the elderly gentleman that went to his family doctor and he said, Doctor, I'm concerned about my wife. She seems to be losing her hearing and it seems to be happening pretty, happening pretty aggressively and, and I'm concerned. I want to help her. I don't know what to do. And, and doctor, I need some guidance. So the doctor looked at the elderly guy and he said, well, let's try this. Let's, find, let's try an experiment. He said, when you go home tonight, stand about 15 feet away from your wife and ask her a question. All right? If, she, uh, if there's no response, take uh, oh, about five feet closer to her. Take a few steps. Ask it again. If, if, if there's still no response, move closer. The doctor was saying, this will help us understand how serious and how aggressive uh, her lack of hearing is. Right? And so the old guy says, yeah, that's easy enough. And so he goes home that night. He, he does exactly what the doctor says. His wife is in the kitchen. She's cutting up some potatoes or something. And so he's behind her, about 15 feet, and he says, Hey, honey, what's for dinner tonight? No response. He moves up about five feet closer to her. He says, Hey, honey, what's for dinner tonight? Still no response. He moves up about five feet closer, which is just about five feet from her. From her. Hey, honey, what's for dinner tonight? Still no response, right? Finally, he gets up right behind her ear where she can't really see him, but he goes, hey, honey, what's for dinner tonight? She turns around, looks at him, and says, for the fourth time, we are having potato stew for dinner tonight. <laughs> oh, boy, I can relate. So we're not just listening for the sake of listening, we're we really want to hear what God says. And he says that's, that's one of the indicators of good, healthy soil. Then he says that you'll cling to it. You'll cling to it. You, you'll cling to what? You will cling to God's word. You will cling to what God says. This has to do with obedience, right? Um, it has to do with shaping my life around what God says to me. It has to do with not just listening for the sake of listening, but I'm listening and I'm hearing because I want to know well, what direction God wants me to go or what he wants me to do or I want to hear his voice just to have community with him, right? And I will cling to, I will do what I'm hearing him say. I will build my life around God's word. That's what it means to cling to it. In fact, just a few verses down in the very same chapter, Jesus said, beginning with verse 19, this is pretty strong. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get close to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, now check this out, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, here, here's, this is the tough stuff. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and what? All right. So Jesus says, if you want to know what good soil looks like, that uh, you are hearing God's word, uh, you are clinging to God's word. In other words, you're obeying it. You're building your life 
around it. And then it says in verse 15 that in doing these things, and here's another sign of good, healthy soil, a huge harvest is going to be produced. In other words, this is God rewarding you, rewarding us for our obedience and producing something in us and through us. Now, we like the thought of a harvest, right? It's pretty cool sometime late summer, early fall, when I'm driving down Route 3 and 36 or when I'm going out 229 and I see these huge fields full of corn that's over the top of your head or soil, soybeans or whatever, man, it's, we all love the thought of a harvest, but we don't like the thought of cultivating because cultivating is hard work. Cultivating takes sweat equity. Uh, cultivating can be challenging. It can be painful. Cultivating uh, requires us to dig some things up. Uh, for instance, cultivating requires us to be honest maybe about sin in our lives. When we're cultivating the soil of our soul and we see something in there that's not pleasing to God, it, it requires us to be honest about that. And it could be sins of commission, which is when I do something proactively that I know is against God's will for my life. That's a sin of commission, right? Commission. Or it could be a sin of omission, which is when I refuse to do what I know what God is calling me to do, right? I, I'm not doing what he wants me to do. That's a sin of omission. But whatever it is, cultivating requires us to be honest about that. And that's hard work. That's painful. That's challenging. Cultivating requires us to look at our past and to be honest about experiences that have created trauma or unforgiveness or bitterness in our lives, Cultivating forces us to be vulnerable about what's going on in here. Uh, cultivating uh, forces us to admit that we're not just good people who occasionally make mistakes, but cultivating helps us understand that we are broken people who need a Savior. That, that's painful and that's challenging and that's, that's hard work and Cultivating helps us understand that it's even more than that. It's even more than about simply accepting Jesus as your Savior. But cultivating speaks of making Him Lord of your life. Right? Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. If you grew up in church, you're familiar with this. If you didn't, maybe the first time you're hearing it, but it's powerful stuff. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you, let, him, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What this is talking about, and this is all a part of that cultivating process, this is talking about surrender, full surrender. Uh, this speaks of dying out to God, that I no longer am going to struggle between what I want, my will versus God's will, but I just die out to His will for my life. Here comes a big churchy word. Maybe if you grew up in the church, you know it. But if you didn't, you may not. We're called to be sanctified. Sanctified. Sanctification. Sanctification is simply the action of setting something or someone apart as holy, purifying it, and dedicating it to God's service. It's, it's being set apart for the exclusive use of God. That's all a part of this cultivating process, right? Part of this sanctifying work is allow God to come in and to cultivate or to root things out of us that don't look like Him or to add things in that do. We can be selfish, we can be controlling, we can be filled with pride. 
you know, these are the rocks and these are the thorns that Jesus speaks of. And, and we need to invite God into our heart to, to cultivate this stuff up, to dig it up, to till it up, so the soil of our soul will be healthy and rich and filled with nutrients and ultimately a consistent environment that will allow and sustain growth in Him. Just a little bit of a rabbit trail as you hear me talk about sanctification. There is a crisis experience, I believe, that happens where you make a decision, I'm all in. And it doesn't happen by accident. It was me when I was a teenager at Senior Youth Advance in Circleville, Ohio, when I surrendered my all to God. That, that was a crisis moment in my life, and I believe that sanctification is a crisis moment. But it's also a process that follows because God's word says I need to die out daily. I, I make a thousand decisions today, a, a day as to whether I'm going to honor God with the, that decision or whether I'm going to please myself with that decision. It's all about sanctification. Sanctification matters because we need to strive to live more like Christ every day. And this involves the cultivating of the soil of your soul. And so the simple questions of the morning are, are these. Are there things in your heart that don't look like Jesus? And they need to be rooted out. They need to be cultivated. Or are there some things that need to be added in? Or are there some things that need to be surrendered because God's word tells us if the soil is good a great harvest will be produced right and I don't think it's taking it out of context to say that if the soil is not good and healthy and nutrient rich and fertile that a harvest is not going to be produced and at the end of the day we make the decision as to the quality of the soil God's never going to force himself on us so so this, this is what I would want to ask you. Is there anyone here, and, and I want to pray with you in just a moment, and, and when I'm done praying, don't get up and leave, because we have a very exciting moment of baptizing a, a couple kids, which is awesome. But, but before we get to that, is there anybody here that would say, you know what, Pastor Troy, um, the Holy Spirit is speaking to my to my heart this morning and there's something in there that doesn't look like him or he's speaking to me going there's something that needs to be added in or something that needs to be taken out and it's just it's this thing that I don't have to try to come up with some all-inclusive list of what it could be you know what it is God's pointing out to you right now and you're saying, man, I want to follow him. I, I, want to, I want to allow him to cultivate the soil of my soul. And, and so I want to be honest about that this morning and ask him to help me with it. Or maybe it's not about one single thing, and, and which, by the way, that one single thing may be something big and life-altering, or it could just be something of a reprioritization in your life. That It's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself, right? But it's been taking some precedence that it shouldn't take or maybe there's someone here that says it's just the overall heart I I'm a Christian Jesus lives in my heart but I want to fully surrender to him I no longer want to battle against what I want versus what he wants I no longer want the struggle of am I going to do what I want to do versus what he wants me to do. And I just want to surrender it all. I want to lay my heart down, my life down in a moment of sanctification where I give it to God and I say, God, I want it to all be yours. And I want to be set apart for your exclusive use. I want to be sanctified. And in that moment, God will 
accept you and he will receive your heart and man he will just he will fill you with his power you know because a house divided against itself it's going to be lots of problems but man when that when it's sold out when it's one purpose one direction man there's power in that and you may want to stand up for that reason I'm just going to hold for for a moment before I pray is there anyone that say, Pastor Troy, I want you to pray for me? If that's you, you don't have to say anything or tell us anything about it, but you just want to stand up so I know who I'm praying for. This is between you and God. I'm just going to hold for a moment. Anyone want to stand up? Say, Pastor Troy, that's me. We had a couple folks stand up in the first service. It's awesome to see God working. Is there anyone in this service before I pray that needs to surrender something to him? Praise the Lord. Anyone else? And just remain standing. Anyone else? I need to surrender this to him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Good stuff. Anyone else? Amen. Praise the Lord. Good stuff. Amen. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Yep. Just stay standing. Anyone else? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, it's just us and God. Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing weird's going on. It's just I want to see who I'm praying for. Amen. In the back, praise the Lord. Anyone else? I just need to surrender this to him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Or maybe it's this moment of full surrender. Like I said, man, you just want to give it all to him. And Amen. Awesome. Anyone else? I'm just going to hold for another moment. We got folks standing up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. God's working. God's speaking to people. Anyone else? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your obedience. Anyone else? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let me just pray for you in this moment and by the way as I pray there might be someone who wants to come forward to the altar and and, and pray we would invite you to do that if you want to do that and have one or two of your brothers and sisters in the faith support you in prayer you know even while baptism is going on or if you want to catch one of us after church and have us pray with you man we just love to pray with people all right but let me let me pray for those who are standing and if you're sitting around just just please pray for all of these who are standing. Lord, we come before you right now in this sacred moment. This is a sacred, holy moment. Lord, and I, I, I don't know why these folks are standing. It could be a situation where there's just something that you're speaking to their heart about. It could be something big. It could be something relatively small, but, but something that you are pointing out. And Father, they're surrendering that to you in this moment. And they're asking you to take this, whatever it is. And they're asking you to have your way with this thing in their life and to prioritize. And they're giving you permission, Lord, to come into their heart right now and just to just cultivate the soil of their soul. And, Lord, or there may be someone else who's standing up this morning who is going, man, I'm just surrendering it all. I, I've never done that. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. But I've never really just laid it all down and said, Jesus, I want you to have your complete and total way in my life and I'm tired of struggling between what I want and what you want. And so, Jesus, I'm just surrendering it all, full surrender. I turn it over to you this morning. I give my heart 100% to you and I ask you to just empower me and, Lord, help me to die out on a regular basis as well, saying, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way in my life, whatever it is these folks are standing up for, Lord. I thank you for their obedience, and I just ask you to help them as they surrender this, whatever it is. This is a sacred moment. Lord, we thank you for the faithfulness of your spirit. 
I understand that there's no sermon that's going to do the work that needs done in the lives of these folks. There's no song that's going to do the work that needs done in the lives of these folks. There's no program. But Lord, it's the work of your Holy Spirit working on our hearts. And I'm so grateful for your faithfulness. Would you do that work even now, Lord? And Father, for those of us who, are, who, who haven't stood up, maybe we've made these choices and we've surrendered to you or whatever, Lord, would you, would you help us to understand, would you remind us that it's not just about some point back at, uh, a few weeks ago or months ago or a few years ago where we surrendered, but Lord, it, it, is, it is a daily action of dying out to you. Lord, may you help us all to be very purposeful regarding the soil of our soul. Now, Lord, we just want to stop and we want to thank you for what you're doing in their hearts. Thank you, Lord. To God be all the glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, this is awesome stuff. This, isn't it good just to sense the Spirit and people responding to the Spirit? Before we leave, we have a, a couple of our Kid Life kids who want to be baptized, and they're going to come in. Um, I, I wanted to take a minute to explain baptism. You see, baptism, there's nothing weird or mystical about it. There's nothing about this water that does any mystical work in your life. Baptism, according to Scripture, is an outward sign of an inward work. Um, we have a couple children who are getting up here to be baptized to go, I want the whole world to know that I have made the decision to follow Jesus. Amen? And uh, they're going to do that. And, and, and the way it relates to the sermon is this. They want to let Jesus know that they've gone from simply hearing his word that they hear back in kid life every week that they're also going to cling to his word and they're going to shape they're going to shape their lives around his word and so this is just a crazy special time uh, this is so fun so cool and here's what I want us to do um, and, and we're going to have another baptism here in a number of weeks uh, we've just decided to do it more often to give more people opportunities uh, if you want to be baptized be sure to let them know at the welcome center but uh, as they come up out of that water, would you do us a favor and just clap and celebrate with them? And if mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or whoever wants to come up and take a picture of them, you can help yourself up here. And then we're going to close out in a song. And uh, this is just going to be a great few moments, all right? So I'm going to turn this over to, to Pastor Mandy. Aren't we so grateful? I had said this before, and I will keep saying it, that there is not a junior Holy Spirit, right? that we serve a God who works at any age. So glad for that. And this sweet girl, my friend right here, she's gonna tell you her name. I'm Haley and I'm nine. This is, <laughs> this is Haley Oliver and she's nine years old and I love just watching her grow. She accepted Jesus at Summerfest this year. And I know, isn't that awesome? <laughs> It's why we do what we do, right? And, and she asked me to read this for her. So Haley wants to get baptized because she wants to show, she wants everybody that she knows to know how much she loves Jesus. And she wants everybody to know that she has made the decision to follow him. Amen? Amen. baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
I've got with me Miss McKenna, and she is a student at MVNU, and it was so awesome to get to know her uh, this year, and she was one of our students that went to uh, the Passion Conference with us, and we had a pretty awesome time down there, didn't we, with 60,000 people from around the world, and uh, it's amazing to see McKenna's heart for the Lord. And uh, what God is doing in her and through her, what he has done, we believe is going to continue to do. So McKenna, I would love for you to share a little bit about what God has done in your life. Hi, I'm Kenna. Um, I didn't really grow up in a Christian household, but when I was younger, I like always heard stories about Jesus, but I never actually had like a real relationship with him until I went on a missions trip to Haiti in 2018. Um, I experienced God's love there more than I even knew was possible, and I decided to give my life to Christ there. Since giving my life to Christ, I've shared the story of God with others, many others around me and brought them closer to God. I started valuing, valuing relationships that build me up and help me in my walk with Christ instead of ones that tear me down. I've decided to get baptized today to show my love and commitment to Jesus. Amen. Well, McKenna, it is because of your profession of faith and your commitment to follow Jesus the rest of your life that we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Michael Krause here. He's been working with our teen life. Uh, he's an intern with us, and just a fun fact about him, his nickname is Table. Um, everyone, yes, you can clap for that. Everyone ask him after this where he got that nickname, but no, it's awesome having Michael back there. Uh, it's evident that he wants to follow God's plan for his life, and even more than that, he wants other people to come to know Christ the way he does. So I want people to know why Michael is getting baptized today. So hi, uh, I'm Michael Krause. Um, I've known God uh, from a young age, and I've known the inner workings of the faith and the church from a young age as well. However, it hasn't been until recently that I began to truly know who God is. God has rescued me from my sin. He has become my shield for temptation, and he's become a good friend. I'm recommitting my life to God today to renew my vows with him and to serve him as faithfully as I can. God has blessed me with good friends, a loving family, and you guys just met the love of my life. They've all helped me to become the man who I am today, and I believe it was with help from God. Today, I die to myself and my old ways, and I reemerge as the man God has created me to be so that I might serve him as faithfully as possible. Amen. Amen. Michael Krause, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is this awesome or what? Hey, yes, if anybody else wants to be baptized, we're going to be doing it a few weeks from now. Well, maybe a couple months, uh, but let us know. Uh, these, are, these are highlights of the year uh, in the church when people are baptized. Man, I want us to close out this service this morning by just uh, singing about our commitment to Him and celebrating. And I challenge you as you leave this place after the song that you take this out and you share this hope with the world. All right, let's stand. Let's worship together. song we could ever sing 
worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
Live, thanks for being here. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you guys next week. Where my freedom song is found, there ain't no way.